This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Uh, just a shout out to our very first podcast sponsor uh, before we start this one. Uh, it is the FIFA Factory. I can't speak of these guys high enough. Uh, Matt Phillip and Rich Anderson run it. It's an absolutely amazing, uh, fun, competitive FIFA league, essentially. They run it. Um, you you get your own team. Say, for example, you were a Hull City. Um, you got a Hull City. You would be competing against anybody else, other teams, in a league format, you play 90s overalls friendlies. They were on both Xbox and PlayStation. They've expanded recently. It's, it's getting bigger. Um, it's complete with the league format, promotions, relegations. Um, it's got mid-season cups, um, optional cups. Usually, um, you know, they had some some money money tournaments in there that I've seen lately. World cups uh, with international teams. And overall, just an absolutely amazing community. There's some class guys in there. Um, it's always a laugh to be in the group with them. Uh, people help each other grow and get better as a FIFA player. So I would 100% recommend giving that a bang. Um, if you are a regular FIFA player and you fancy something different um, to the usual box standard FIFA experience, um, this is something that is definitely worth a try. Your first season's free. Um, after that, it's five pound per season, but you will get about six to eight weeks worth of um, games. Usually, about I think you compete five. You have to complete five a week, um, which realistically is not asking much. It's what fifteen minutes, twenty minutes a match, uh, and doing that five times a week shouldn't be that difficult. Um, so definitely head on over to the Twitter handle if you if you follow us on social media. We'll always be sharing their their Twitter handle. Um, so just nip on over on Facebook or Twitter find them, search out the FIFA factory um, and give them a go now then guys and welcome back to the Hull and Back podcast uh, we're back for 2021 um, it's my first appearance in a few weeks actually I haven't been on since before Christmas um, Will and Tom took over after that did their 
episode, which was quite good. It was a good listen. Uh, special one, this one. We've got Joel. Joel on the line. Say hi, Joel. Yeah. Hi, Joel. Here's Joel. <laughs> Tread my finger. Can't do Will's trick. He's not having that. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I didn't exactly come up with it, so I'm not bothered. <laughs> obviously, we still have Will. Uh, it's our usual, usual two with the bonus guest of Joel for once. Um, we'll start off with, obviously, we'll say Happy New Year. I know it's quite far into this one, but this is the first episode that we've done. Um, was our New Year's okay? Um, all right. I, I spent mine in self-isolation, so it was not the best, but... Yeah, cracking. Come really self-isolation's much. underrated. It is, yeah, to say, it keeps away from people. Not when you've not spent any time with people for the past several months anyway. <laughs> any time <laughs> on your own, at home, doing absolutely nothing... Football manager, FIFA, living the dream. <laughs> but anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll crack on because um, we've got quite a bit to talk about in this one. We've obviously got a couple of games uh, and we've got some transfer windows open so we can start some, uh, some transfer gossip natter. Uh, obviously, Charlton game first. Um, I feel like you've probably got a more in-depth view on this one, Will, because I didn't watch it all. So if you want to start. Uh, yes, yeah, sure. Um, it was uh, a nice change from recent form. Uh, nice to see us book what we had had as a poor run of form and uh, finally actually win a game and in the end win it comfortably. Um, I thought City, first, I think for the first half, weren't actually that great, to be honest. Um, I thought they struggled quite a bit with Charlton, but um, going into the second half, Charlton, in a way, as much as City comfortably won it, Charlton... Did didn't half throw it away for themselves. Um, they did their best to essentially sabotage them, sent, especially uh, Prattley, who I don't know what he was thinking, getting him to sent off for something so so simple. Yeah, it was a weird one. It seemed um, like an unnecessarily aggressive game. It was quite aggressive, but I put that down to you just look at who manages Charlton. Yeah, the old the old Leeds connection, Daily Leeds. Not even that. He was he was a wanker at Newcastle as well. But yeah, it was always comfortable. In the end, it was a quite comfortable performance for City. They, they weren't massively troubled for the most part. No, yeah, we did seem comfortable. I mean, Charlton was one of them games where, when you were looking up on the fixtures, it was it was quite a worrying fixture for me because I thought that they were um, they were in some good form for quite a while, and I highlighted them myself as one of the teams that I think would, would be challenging up up at the top two. Um, I did think that they were a little... I didn't expect them to struggle as much as they did against us. I don't know if maybe they just had an off day and were more concerned about kicking 10 lumps of crap out of all of our team than playing football, or if we just set up in a way that nullified any sort of threat they had. Because whilst we didn't look... Um, amazing at any stage of the game. We looked comfortable. Um, we sort of invited them to just do whatever. We, we we sort of said to them, right, we know what you can do. We've done our homework. Have a go and we'll stop you. And I, th- I feel like that's exactly what we did. I think, I think a big factor in that was um, Charlton have had a little bit of a dip in form recently. Um, so I think that might have worked in our favour a little bit. If they were still in their top form, I think we might have struggled a lot more. 
Yeah. I mean, I think the breaks in play, well, the breaks in the season for quite a lot of teams probably, if, if you were in um, uh, winning momentum and then games being called off for COVID and stuff, that's that's when you don't want your games to be postponed because you lose that momentum. Whereas we were um, in, a, in a bad run of form and then breaks have sort of allowed us to regroup, um, recalculate, and and go again and maybe we've had a little bit of a favour in quite a couple of games being called off in a row because it's let us come back sort of going back to basics and sort of stop that rot because it was important to not lose that game I didn't expect us to win it as comfortably as we did but to not lose and sort of continue that that awful run of form that we could have so easily fallen into again uh, was quite important I think that was the favour of our fans Sorry, Will. <laughs> it's all right. Um, I think, um, yeah, that's pretty much... I think you got it spot on there. Um, I'm glad we didn't end up playing Lincoln, to be honest, when we were supposed to, because I think they're in a, they went into a decent run of form after the unboxing day. They smashed... I can't remember the play, but they smashed, smashed them 5-1 from memory. Um, and I think yeah, if we'd have played Lincoln on the run of form we were on, I think they'd have comfortably beaten us. I'm not going to lie, I think they would have done. Yeah, because I think ask, I think the the problem with our squad with them being so young is that they've got a man me, uh, a mentality issue. So when they start to get into um, a couple of bad results in a row, it sort of sticks with them because you you don't have that. Um, you've only got really got Smallwood and and maybe Beck because he's been around quite a while in the lower leagues. Um, they've got that sort of regular um, bounce back part of their personality that maybe some of our team don't have. Uh, it's, it's, it's important to, to, to get out of ruts and it's just so important that we did because we so easily could have just carried on as, you know, falling into that trap door like we did last season. Yeah, it pretty. keeps us in the mix. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, so what, what we should do, um, who, who would you say was your man of the match? Are we asking first? Uh, we'll go with you, Joe. Right. Um, well, I think an important part of that match was the way George Honeyman played. I think when George Honeyman plays well, so do we. Um, he's one of those players that if he can make the midfield tick, and he's got his he's got his small word, and I think Jones played that game as well in behind him, just sweeping up um, the balls and giving Honeyman that chance to be able to control the game from up front and create them chances and give, give us more of an opportunity in front of goal to grab the one or two that we did. Um, and Emmanuel as well, once again, had a decent game, but you expect that from him every game, really. Now, he's done he's done it since he got here and I don't think he's had a bad game for us yet. No, he's Mr. Consistent at the moment. Player of the season at the moment, definitely. But yeah, uh, I think them, them two are the, the main points of the season, really, but um, that game as well. I think them two performing at the level they were give the rest of our team the confidence to go on and get the win against a good Charlton side. Yeah, I'm happy with that. What about you, Will? Joel's a man after my own heart with uh, the praise of Honeyman. Uh, but <laughs> I, I wouldn't put him as a man in the match. I was going to say someone who Joel didn't mention, actually, was Greg Doherty. I thought he had a good game. Um, constantly, like Honeyman was constantly busy throughout the midfield, going back and forth, and got a goal which he deserved. 
Um, he deserves a lot more goals than he actually had so far this season. Um, I almost would have said Honeyman just for the pass, for the assist. Yeah, um, that was a beautiful back heel. And I'd also give a shout-out to Jacob Greaves, who I think had a good game as well at the back. And seeing him take the captain's armband was a really nice moment as well. Yeah. I mean, I think it was important for Greavesy to get another good game under his belt because, I mean, to be fair, the entire team's form obviously fell. But um, with Greaves being as young as he is and um, only last season really is, is, is his experience, to come to a game, a tough game, against a really physical, um, aggressive Charlton side, I think will just do him the world of good, which I think it did. Obviously, we'll get on to um, with Sunderland game. Um, but with him, with him being still learning his trade as a first-teamer, um, a different kind of team to what he was last season. It's just going to do him the world of good. So, yeah, it was important that Greavesy had a good game. Um, was there any players, do you think, that should be doing better? We'll not say worst player, because I, I don't think you can really have a worst player when you've won 2-0. Um, but a room for improvement. Uh, we'll start with you this time, Will. I'm not going to lie, I think, I, I don't think anyone apart, there's only one name that really came into mind, to be honest, and that was Tom Eves. Um, it, it was another game where he missed some really good chances that he really should have taken, and it's coming too common now, and we'll get into it actually, I think, a lot more in the Sunderland game, about yeah, Tom Eves. Um, but I think he was the weakest player on the pitch, at least that started. Um, the, the subs that came on, none of them really got much of a chance to do much apart from the obvious Keen Lewis Potter. Um, but because he just, no one really had a bad game, but I don't think Eves had, was the only one who couldn't, would come out without anything, really. Yeah. Yeah, I can agree with that, to be fair. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's hard to pick. Um, because it wasn't it wasn't a spectacular performance, but like I said, it was a solid one. Whereas no one really had an outstanding game. Everybody had they, they did the basics and they did it well. Yeah, so yeah, it, it is a tough question to try and find out somebody who not necessarily the weakest link, but but maybe left a bit to be desired. Um, so yeah, I can agree with that one. Um, what about you, Joe? In honesty, um, Will's Will's hit hit the nail on the head there. Um, there's not much more I can say about it. Um, there is a player that I do want to mention from the opposition. Um, get onto that a bit later on if you want, or if um, we can get onto it now. But, yeah, no, go for it, mate. Marcus Madison. His Instagram story about not getting on the pitch. Busy watching YouTube. Oh, yeah. he's, he's, I think he was playing some sort of game that he plays on, um, but. It was it was something along the lines of um, sitting on the bench and losing at the KCOM again, nothing new there or something, which I thought was a little bit of a sly dig. But in all honesty, he didn't really do much when he was here anyway. So what, what, yeah, and yeah, no, he's, he's one of them players, isn't he? That he had he had a reputation at Peterborough. He's he's obviously got bags of potential. He used to score goals for fun, and considering he's like a midfielder slash winger. Um, them kind of players can be invalu- invaluable to a team. Um, when he came to us, I'll admit I, I was personally excited by 
by the fact that he's probably one of the best players in League One yeah. that season or the season before. Um, and he came to us with this reputation of just being able to be a game winner. He can score from anywhere, kind of dynamo. Um, we never really got to see that. I don't know if maybe he wasn't fit, but when you read some of the stories, like with what was happening with Peter Brew and the way he left them, uh, the way he came to us, the warning signs were there that obviously maybe he has a severe um, attitude problem that, that needs to be addressed if he wants to get playing at a higher level because uh, he's just going to waste his career. What is he in his mid-20s? Is he 25, 26? Well, yeah, I think he's about 26. So he's, he's just going to waste his career if he, if he doesn't sort of, you know, knuckle down and, and try. So, yeah, I, I think you're quite right in saying... Because uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be from our team, I suppose you can say, uh, Madison. But yeah, it was maybe a slide dig. But realistically, he wasn't playing for a reason. Yeah. Um, and if if McCann didn't think he was going to change anything in the team, then it's been shown by the fact that he's gone to Charlton. And we all warned him on Twitter. Oh, we all the, warned him. And um, yeah, the the chickens have come to roost. Oh, I was I, I was fully expecting to come on and just like bang one in from thirty yards because that would be how typical it would be. Yeah, no, we all we all think that, don't we? I, I said I, in the prediction. I found that, that picture. I found and... it from Instagram. It says nothing changes for me at the KCOM. Sat on the bench all game and lost. Get me home. Yeah. Wow. And it, yeah, it's just a picture of his laptop, and I think yeah, it looks like his YouTube that he's on. Yeah, well, you see, the thing is, is you'd expect a manager like Bowyer not to stand for that. So he has said something. Maybe he's to play again. I, I, I saw that in an interview. Like Bowyer said that I had a little dig at Madison about the fact that he subbed him on, and then he was coming like he was not going into tackles. He was shying away from it, so he hooked him off in the 90th minute, supposedly injured, and said that something about them not being like players like that won't succeed with with a manager like him or something. So he's already in the bad box of the manager at Charlton. He's only been there about six months. Yeah. Did they sign him permanently then, or is he... Um, I think he was a free agent, he was wasn't he? Free um, agent. Um, but that, that doesn't surprise... You'd think Lee Bowyer's going to be one who's not going to take any shit from anyone, is he? So he's going to... No. get on his bad side is probably, a, again, a bad idea. Yeah, very bad idea. Uh, yes, yeah, so to be fair, um, for me... It's going to have to be a clean sweep. It's going to have to be used. I mean, to be fair, he's just a regular offender at the moment, isn't he? And it's frustrating because you want him to get going. Um, no fan wants to see a player do bad at their club. Um, we needed him possibly now more than ever because I don't think uh, McGuinness is going to be at full capabilities after his his um, his bad stint with COVID. He'll struggle for so, a couple of months. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he lost a lot of weight as well. Um, so maybe he's not at full swing, which you would expect. So you need a player like Eves to be able to step in and, and, and take that opportunity. And we've we've said this on this podcast before, there seems to be a distinct lack of, of drive to cement a starting position like the likes of Scott, um, Meyer, Eves. Anybody who comes into the team in these like cup games, they need to be able to at least be a first team standard and none of them even seem like they want to be. I don't, I don't, I don't want to question anybody's desire, but it does seem like there's a lack of 
of determination in in some of the the fringe players that that maybe one of the stumbling blocks to us maybe winning the league because you need to be able to have a squad that's just fully dependable every game. So we do need Eves to pick it up a bit. He was he was a bit of a passenger at Charlton, um, but we'll like like we said we'll get on to him at the Sunderland game because I imagine it's going to be a similar thing. Well, <laughs> if we get on to there is one player I want to give a shout out to in that match. And that is yeah. Hakeem Delican. Because it turns out it's his final okay. match for us. And yep. I gave him a bit of slit stick um, in the earlier podcasts, saying he was probably our weakest signing. I have kind of changed my mind on that yep. a bit, actually, recently. Um, but I thought he had a decent game. And it, I think it was nice that his, if it is going to be his final appearance ever for, for the club, that it ended with him scoring a goal. Um, and I, Yeah. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, um, yeah, I, I've I've said a few bad, well, a few criticisms of 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 Adelican, but it wasn't because he's a bad player. It was because you could tell that he's a good that player, but he didn't yeah. really apply himself. He, he either played really well or didn't just didn't turn up. And yeah, it was a bit like Grisicki in the fact he was it, one game he could be the best player on the pitch, and then the next three or four he could be an absolute passenger, and it, it's a little bit frustrating as a fan to see. Um, maybe it's due to the fact that he'd not played a lot of regular first team football for quite a while because he sort of found himself out of the team at Bristol, didn't he? Um, so maybe with a bit more time, he'd have come more into himself. Uh, but I believe he's done quite well, didn't he? Uh, assist. He played for Bristol, didn't he? And assisted. Yeah, in the FA Cup. Yeah, he did, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, he's a free agent in the summer. He's a, a Delican, I think. Um, yeah, so yeah. if it doesn't work out at Bristol, I mean there is always a chance for him to come back here. But I would I would imagine Grant would be interested if he's a free agent, definitely. Yeah, yeah. If it's not going to cost the club money, I, I mean, he can't, I can't imagine he's going to demand a lot in wages either. Um, no, but if, if we go up, we'll be able to offer him a little bit more, which would be a good yeah. thing. Yeah. So maybe that 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 door's there for a future return. Um, I certainly wouldn't say no to having him. Um, it can only be a good thing and it can only get better, I suppose. Yeah, at 24 um, years of age, you can only get better. Yeah. Yeah, because he was a cracking player for... Was it... I'm sure he got in the team of the team of the season for Scunthorpe in League One, didn't he? I think so, yeah. I think, I think he was about did, yeah. 18. So, yeah, there's obviously a player there uh, with a bit more regular football. We might see it. So, yeah. Um, with that, to be fair, we'll have a break and we'll come back and we'll talk about the um, Sunderland game. Obviously still fresh in our memories. Uh, see you in a minute. Now then, welcome back. Um, Sunderland. We'll go with um, a similar format to the Charlton game. Uh, we'll have a we'll have a, a basic summary, a man of the match, and a to be desired. Uh, so we'll start off. Uh, we'll go same order. Who was your man of the match, Will? Are we not going to talk about the match itself? Well, yeah, well, you can go for that if you want. Yeah, um, I was just going to free it on the order. But no, yeah, sorry. Um, do a summary. It was the same old crap. <laughs> That's all I have to say, really. It was the same. It's a shame because after the after the Charlton game, I was feeling a bit more confident going into this game because um, Sunderland out on the best run of form themselves and I thought oh, we've, it's a good chance to uh, build a, a run again 
And um, he started okay, um, obviously scoring early on, um, thanks to, I don't know, I think Sunderland's keeper was still reeling from being kicked in the face by Malik Wilkes, to be fair. But um, take advantage when you can. Um, but despite that, we just, we had so many chances to take the lead and create like a, a comfortable lead that we just didn't take them. And it's the story of our season for a lot of the season so far. Um, and it was once again a bit of lax defending that's resulted in us conceding a goal. And we've come out of a game two points worse off than we could have been. Yeah. I think at, at the yeah, end no. of the 90 minutes, to be honest, I think a draw was probably right. But with the chances we had in the first half, we should have been out of sight at half time. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have, I have down here that the first half we seemed to be very dangerous. We looked dangerous. We looked um, like we were going to be the only team capable of winning. Um, it's been the story of our season is being wasteful. Um, I do think that when you look back a lot of the games, um, our our attempts uh, have been quite high. And then the attempts on target are very low. And I don't know if it's due to just us not really having a, an out-and-out goal scorer in the team or maybe just a lack of concentration because if we've, we've had many games this season where we could have put it to bed quite early and then created a problem for ourselves because the other teams got into the game again. And we've not put the chances away and led to it being a very close affair. And that's why we've ended up limping over the line against some teams. Um, um, would you agree, Joel? Uh, yeah, I was just about to put in there um, about you saying the lack of a goal scorer in the team. We have one. We do. In- I was about to say the same thing. But um, for some reason, there's this little contract dispute about the length of the deal. And it's it's hindering his development. It's hindering our chances at winning games, gaining the points and pushing towards that pr- promotion. Um, really, they need, they need to just sort it out. They offer Keane those put of the length he wants, and then down the line, if we do have to sell him, we do have to sell him. If not, try and extend his deal. Well, but at, at the moment, the priority is extending the deal we have for have for him now. It's just petty that oh, if he plays one more game, he gets a pay rise. No, I don't want to do that. It's just so petty, and it's and like you say, it's becoming yeah, I mean, so detrimental to the club. What what confuses me is that. I don't think I've ever remembered a contract dispute between club, club and player be because of the length and not the money. That just seems bizarre to me because it's like, I think, what is it? The club want him to sign on for longer than what Kino wants to sign on for. Yeah, I think I, I think I saw something about the club wanting him for four years, but Keane wants three. Which is ridiculous. So it's like, why don't you... As a club, just say, all right, yeah, fair enough. Have your three years. Yeah, and then discuss. And then obviously if he improves in that time, you can always do a new one. Yeah, like say you offer him the contract that he wants now, we get promoted, consider offer, consider a contract discussion that following season about an extension. And offer him more money as well. Exactly, because you've been promoted. You've got that more income coming into the club. We've got more. I think Ehab's thinking... I am thinking I've got an asset there and I want to hold I want to have him for four years because then either you've got him for four years or if someone wants to sign him, you've got years in the bank for 
to boost his price if they were to sell him. Trying to prevent the Bowen thing happening again because Bowen was in the last year and a half or the last half year of his contract with us. So yeah, he, he was he was a little bit late. We got less than what we could have got for him if his deal was longer. I think that's the idea behind it. I mean, the Alams, the, the way they do contracts is very confusing because I do think that throughout the history of their tenure, we could have had so much more money for players that we've sold if they'd have just got on with the contract stuff earlier. They always leave it till the last minute when, in reality, a new contract should be a reward for the way you're playing. To me, if you're playing well and you're critical to the to the team, you should be offering them improved terms just as a more of a, you know, you're a key employee to my business. That's what it essentially is. Yeah. So if, if, if that person's become an absolute asset to your team, they should be offered more. Um, you think back to um, Abel Hernandez walked away for three, for free. Um, yeah. Curtis Davis, Tom Huddleston, what did they go for combined? Something like 600 grand. Like yeah, something like that. That's ridiculous. Like they, Tom Huddleston and, and I know they were in the 30s, but you can easily get a mill at, at minimum for either of them in the last year of the contract. It's just, I don't, I don't see the logic in Ehab's thinking with, with, with the way he does contracts. It doesn't, he, he only shoots himself in the foot because then when he, he gets to a point where he, he thinks, oh crap, this guy's quite good, I want to keep him. That player wants to go because he's like, well, I mean, what you've offered me is ridiculous. I mean, it's far I can't too late. see the logic in Ehab's thinking on anything, never mind contracts. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's another story for another time, isn't it? We're all aware of City fans about it. <laughs> yeah, Ehab's. I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> yeah. Um, right, so back onto the um, Sunderland game. Um, who would be your man of the match, Joel? Uh, my man of the match? Um, I, did, I did watch the game. Um, but I was trying to think of who stood out. Um, Tricky one there. I, mean, it's, it's... <laughs> I think I might need a bit more time to think about it. Do you have any? Do you have an idea, Will? Um, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, um, again, like you, it is a tricky one to think about because I don't think anyone stood very far above anyone else. Um, I think everyone was at a, played at a quite a similar level for the most part. You can rephrase it from man of the matches to notable mentions <laughs> but, if you want. I think there's one player I think who was the best player on the night, and it's actually, it, I mean, it's essentially a repeat of what I've already said earlier. I think it was Greg Doherty. Um, he was he was the most positive player I think on the pitch anyway. Um, he was always seemed keen to get on the ball and uh, make something happen, which a lot of the players didn't really. He was he was happy to pass the ball um, about and try and create something. Unlike I said, another player who refused to know what the word pass <laughs> means. I don't think anymore. Um, but I think no one, no one out of one or two played badly. Everyone just sort of played okay. Um, so like, I thought Greaves was okay. Beck, it was nice to see Beck score. I know it was a, it was a kind of a jammy goal, but it was a nice goal. It's nice to see him score. Um, I thought Emmanuel was as always just consistent. Yeah. Um. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, I went with, um. I went with Jacob Greaves. Um, I know Beck scored, and man of the match tends to go to the goal scorer, as with fans and their votes and Sky. Um, 
but I do think that that Greaves was well. It was a toss up between Greaves and Jones because I just thought they were both um, very good. Doherty, as you say, um, was absolutely everywhere. Uh, but I didn't give it him the man of the match in my opinion, just because I've come to expect that from him. Uh, Jacob Greaves, I just thought looked very composed, very solid. Um, he he was. He seemed at points of the game to be the most senior of his back four and he was barking orders at people, pointing about and organising his line. And I just found that for somebody so young and so new to the game, that that was amazing. And I just thought that that is a future captain there. And I just really, really wish that it's with us, that he, do, he does stay here beyond he this summer. a player who's 10 years older than he is. Yeah, I mean, you could even you could even throw in Brandon Fleming. Not so sure on was, that one. I thought he was better against he, Charlton. I thought he was a it wasn't as he was all right, but he wasn't as good as he was against Charlton. He he, he struggled he just, against Charlton. That, that diamond was, was all right. Yeah, no, but this is this is the only this is the only reason I mentioned Fleming as a, a contender is because the caliber of player he was against in what was a. Um, surprisingly tricky and dangerous player. and I mean, he had an awful haircut, <laughs> but he was a very good player. Um, he, Fleming played with a, a maturity, I found, that you wouldn't expect, again, from somebody so young. Um, I expected him to struggle when I saw how direct and how he just wanted to run straight at the fullback. But Fleming, other than maybe the, the foul he gave away, I don't know if you, I can't remember if he was carded for it, but he did jump in at once. And then from that point, he realised what he needed to do with him and he did it. Um, we've got good competition in left back. Uh, as we have in both fullback positions, to be fair. Um, have you decided on your man of the match yet, John? Yeah, I was thinking, um, just before you've mentioned him, I was thinking Alfie Jones. Um, simply because when I, when I was watching the game, he was... Sitting, sitting in front of the defence and anyone that was coming near him he was sweeping up the ball he was, he was tackling and if he did ever miss one we always made sure that there was someone behind him so either Greaves or Beck to jump in there as well so he never really, he never really yeah. made us look threatened in terms of going through the middle it was always down the wings where I just think Sunderland got down through McGeady and Diamond but yeah I mean um, the good thing about Jones and since they, since McCann played that um, Jones Smallwood sort of defensive midfield partnership in the Fleetwood Cup game at home, I said at that game how impressive that combination was and how it helped us control the game. And I felt it did the same in that first half at Sunderland. Yeah. Them two sitting in front of the back four allows our more gifted attacking players like Honeyman, Wilkes, anybody that's up there to do what they need to do because them two just sit back and just clean up. It allows our wing backs to bomb on because they cover the, the wing. If there's a, wherever there's a hole, they cover it. I just love that little um, partnership that they've got. Yeah. Going. Jones does make up for the lack of pace that Smallwood has. So if Smallwood can't get there, yeah. Jones is there. Yeah. To me, Alfie Jones is in my starting 11. I don't know where See, I'd put is, him. Cause this is it. I actually think... It's hard because I think he, I actually think he's played better when he's played as part of the back four. But 
I don't know if I'd play him regularly in the back four because I think Burke and Greaves are a better partnership. So it's, it's yeah. awkward. It's like the only way you could do it is play the back three, but obviously that would never happen because Grant only plays one formation. Um, yeah, your only I, problem if you start Jones and Smallwood together is you lose Doherty or Honeyman. And I don't think either of them are droppable. Credit where credit is no. due, though. Uh, McCann didn't start over 4 3 3. That is again. true. He didn't. I can't he didn't. Yeah. Num- like number formation on it, but it definitely wasn't a 4-3-3. Yeah, it definitely wasn't. For, I, I, I think it was like a 4-2-3-1. It completely threw me off. With Honeyman on the right-hand side. Yeah. Because he played Wilkes on the left, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, it completely threw yeah. me off when I saw the way playing like that. I thought there was something wrong. It was... It was- Doherty in the number 10 Honeyman out, out right and then Wilkes on the left it was like a 4-2-3-1 with Jones and Smallwood sitting yeah because I couldn't figure it out I thought it might have been a 5 at the back when he had Jones Greaves and um, Burke on at the same time with wing backs because I, I, I think um, Emmanuel and Fleming would be quite interesting to see as a wing back yeah but mm. well, one thing I did notice as well is as soon as he switched back to 4-3-3 by making a couple of subs we lost our effectiveness. We lost our ability to attack, and Sunderland were going at us. We we, we just lost all sorts well, of shape. Yeah, well, it's interesting you say that. To be fair, because I think as we move on to now to our um, to be desired players, um, I think I'll start off with this one. <laughs> I, just, I just need to. <sighs> I think there's two players. I mean, oh, but which one though? No, no, do you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll let you two have it. I'm going to go with Wilkes. Only because... I mean, obviously, Eves, but we'll get on to that. But Wilkes is just... He's so frustrating because he's so... You can tell that he's a, an absolute baller. His decision-making is so poor. Everything else in his game is brilliant. Like, he's, his ability to want to run at a man... Is is he put in two absolute peach of a crosses in the first half for Eves that you know we'll not get into. He's just he he, he missed them. <laughs> That's the bottom line of that one. But Wilkes put him on a plate for him. Um, but then it comes to the second half and he's just he's getting into positions where you're thinking right, pass the ball, pass the ball, and then he he just keeps running into a corner and then he eventually like runs into three or four players and they overcrowd him. He loses the ball. And because when, when we're looking for an outlet and we're trying to give it to somebody like Wilkes to take it up the pitch, you need to be working them passes up the pitch to, to, to get it to your striker to score a goal. Wilkes, however, receives the ball and thinks, right, I'm going to run as far away from the rest of my team as possible, take on as many people as I can and hopefully score a, a worldly individual goal. That must be his thinking because he just runs into a wall, loses the ball and then the ball keeps coming back at us and it invites pressure. So him not choosing to pass the ball then puts us under more defensive pressure. And it was so frustrating to watch. I was shouting at the telly, I was standing up, my missus was having a go at me because I was having a go at Wilkes. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's just, <laughs> it's insane. And his chance at the end, just shoot. He had the ball because he doesn't have a right foot. He just dallied on the ball. It's 93rd minute. Just lash at it, mate. If you miss, you miss. Just shoot. He didn't. He got tackled. And then we have to settle for a point. And it, it, it's things like that that make you just... It's why you feel so deflated after, what, 
really is a good point away at Sunderland. Everyone would take that before the game. But because of things like that, you, you, you've, you've built up so much frustration that after the game, you're, you, feel, you know it could have been so much better. It, it's things like that that stop Wilkes from progressing higher up the leagues. Yeah. I think if Wilkes worked on his game, worked on his, foot, his weak foot, worked on his ability to pass, he'd move up the divisions a bit quicker because he has got the potential. But he just needs to get improve his decision-making. Yeah, you can 100% guarantee that there are scouts from other clubs watching him. Yeah. And they will have they'll have sent messages to their, their gaffers saying, right, this is a guy to watch. And they'll forever just be reporting back saying, don't go for him yet. He's still got a lot of improvements to be made. Yeah. And he's that kind of player. But... Hopefully he does get to that stage where he realizes. I think he just needs to sit down with like um, a more experienced player and just listen to them and just say like, "Look, mate, just get your head up, look around you, just you know, have a bit of football intelligence about yourself in that final third because that's where you can be dangerous." He seems to shoot when he needs to pass and pass when he needs to shoot. He don't even he don't even need to it's sit down with the head. You could hear during the game, particularly after obviously when McGinnis came on. You could hear McGinney screaming at him yeah. on the pitch, past the ball. He did. He shouted. He, he, he turned to Wilson, screamed, past the fucking ball. And I, I tweeted um, Rich from Tigers Bar because he mentioned it as well. You forget how it must be frustrating to be a teammate of him. Oh, God. If you, if you bust a gut to make a run to get into a good position to receive the ball... And then he decides to run into the corner flag and get knocked over instead. It would be absolutely infuriating. But anyway, that was mine. <laughs> so we'll move on. <laughs> uh, what about you, Will? Ooh, well, like you say, there's, there's one or two, but I can't really add much more to what you've said. Um, apart from it was also maybe a bit lucky at times to... Uh, his discipline wasn't great either, Wilkes. Um, like I say, he was involved in that challenge early with uh, Lee Berg of uh, <laughs> kicking him in the face, which could have that could have got him sent off on another game. Of some some games, that can get a red card. Um, I don't think it was a red card, but you can get it. Um, and there was a couple of he had a couple of tanglements with that McLaughlin, who uh, was Sunderland, and they could have they could have easily escalated at times as well. But. Um, I'm going to go with, because you've essentially mentioned Wilkes a lot, I'm going to mention Tom Eaves. Because... Um, <laughs> it was so frustrating once again. Because it annoys me because he, he clearly, there's something there. Because he, he gets the movements right, he gets into the positions, he gets everything right, and then he finishes dog shit. It's yeah. He's doing like almost every. He's doing everything else right apart from the thing he's on the pitch to do, which is the problem. Yeah, I think he's good at. I think yeah. Which is what I, was, I think he's good. I think for. he's good at holding up the ball. I think he's good at distributing the ball. But I think it's the problem is when he gets in the positions to have a shot, he has a shot and it spoons it wide, and it's just. <clears throat> I think. <clears throat> Like I don't know how many more chances you can give him. I, I, is 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 a bit of a because 
he he has become the city whipping yeah, boy, but I don't it. think. But also, as well, which I didn't mention, he was the one who was marking McGeady on Sunderland's goal. Uh-huh. McGeady, who's like, about four foot. Honestly, that that. And he yes, was... right. That's probably the only headed goal McGeady's ever going to score in his life, and it's because Tom Eaves. I mean, he's he's obviously not a defender, so he doesn't have the intelligence in that area. But if you're stuck in the boxes and you're six foot four, the ball's coming up towards you and it's in your area, just get up and edit. Even if you head out for a corner, just get rid of it. He just... He uh, yeah, I know you, you say he's anything. not a defensive player, but he's a tall striker. He should be used to be getting up and heading the ball. Yeah, Just do the opposite of what... Just, well, no, no, to be fair, do the opposite of what you used to do. He needs to score, so just, just head it. Just do it. He 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 just sort of stood there and watched the ball sail over his head. Turns around and watches McGeady head I, it in. I, I did mention and for a professional footballer to do like Matt. I did mention something to you, Ant, about um his footing. Um which you, you didn't agree with. So um I, 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 I do remember you not agreeing with it, but I think with Eve's moving backwards a little bit he, he struggled. I don't. I think he just struggled to get up, get like just to jump. I don't know why, but I just. I just think that might have been an issue. That might just maybe. Yeah. No. I did. I did. I have rewatched the goal um, after you said that. At the beginning, when the ball's coming towards him, it's fairly valid. But by the time it 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 gets to McGeady for him to header it, Eves is already span round and is looking at him. So to me, that is that shows that he had enough time to readjust his body position to get up and jump and head it away. And and by the way, the ball was going over him. He didn't need to be moving backwards. He could have just jumped straight up and headed it back where it That's came his from. Defense. He didn't need to be moving backwards. He just yeah, I don't know well, what he was doing. Or what, I don't. I, I think he honestly thought there was a city yeah, player behind it's him. It's always you got to remember, like you say, he wanted, I know he's obviously he's used to getting up and heading the ball, but he's not a player who has much defensive awareness. Being a striker, no, I genuinely think when you watch it back, it looks like he honestly assumes that there's a city player behind him, and he turns around and sees McGeady edit, and he thinks, oh shit. You know, but I mean, to be fair, notable mention for George Long, who did not um, cover himself in any glory with that goal. That's just typical George Long. Yeah, but you say that. I think he made a couple of decent saves within the game. No, yeah, yeah he had a solid game, did Long, to be fair. Barring that goal, he was already on his knee by the time it hit McGeady's head and he didn't move from that position. I don't know what he was doing. As, as, soon, as, in, as soon as Ingram's fit again, he needs to be back in the team. Well, I think he will be. He's, <laughs> Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so, who was yours? Left to be desired player. You've covered him already. It's Eves. <laughs> that, that's <laughs> all I'm saying. It's Eves, and we don't need to say anything else more because it's been covered in this podcast. It'll be covered in other ones as well in the future. It'll be covered in the ones in the past as well. But it's just he's just yeah. not the yeah. striker yeah. we expected him to be when we signed him from Gillingham. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, if 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 we if we're gonna leave that one there, I've got on my notes what annoyed me about the second half, and what we tend to do in a lot of games is we start playing a way that's on the ball, fast moving, one twos, get it up the pitch in a nice way, and then in the second half, we tend to resort to hoofball, and we just smash it up the pitch. To absolutely nobody, 
and just basically give them the ball back. That's and it's like when I said about Wilkes losing the ball and then us being, you know, inviting pressure and putting ourselves under unnecessary threat. Why does McCann, or does he, and it, or maybe he doesn't, and it's just the players, they get a bit nervous when they get later on in the game. But why do we do that? Not a clue. You'd have to, you'd have to ask Grant. Yeah, should we get him on one of these podcasts so we can see? I him? don't think, after what I've said, after what I've said, oh, there's God. no chance he'd join this. Yeah, we'd, have, <laughs> no, uh, feel... we'd have guys in suits rocking up at the door as representatives of the Alams, I think. They'd have guns to our heads whilst we did it. Probably. Um, <laughs> uh, also a notable mention I think um, obviously none of us mentioned George Honeyman as man of the match against Sunderland but it's his um, I think he's been very clever with that goal um, obviously their keeper took a knock from Wilkes I don't think by any stretch of the imagination Wilkes did that on purpose no I don't think it's on purpose um, it's just it's a bit naughty though yeah uh, Honeyman seen he's had a knock noticed it to his head Tra- and I don't think it's any, you know, it's, it's so coincidental that Honeyman's free kick straight after yeah, was straight to the, the keeper. keeper. as often as you could. Because Honeyman, I think, and what's put him on a different level this season to last, his set pieces this year are absolutely crucial to us. Because the stat that popped up that was, that was interesting that I totally didn't know was that We've scored 13, well, 14 after that set-piece goals in the league, and that's the most by three. Shrewsbury are on second on 11. You think that the thing... Sorry, go on. No, go on, Joe. Go on, I was going to say, the thing that stopped Honeyman from being mentioned by me as man of the match is some of the tackles he went into with, he was a little bit reckless and could have easily been sent off. Yeah, it looked like he was trying to be too hard. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I mean, is that is, is that is that more just too enthusiastic, or is it just you know a little bit a little bit daft? But I think you can excuse him for being a bit lacking in the defensive area when he's been so crucial with like the most assists in the league, I suppose. Yeah, he can get away with it. I mean, obviously, we would miss him if he was suspended, but I don't think he ever does a tackle intentionally bad. He just. You can tell straight away he's just not very good at defending. No, he's, he's, is he? no, he's not meant to be <laughs> anywhere near there. That's where. So, I was going to say that's where Grant on. played Honeyman last season. That was in a deeper role, and if you noticed, he last season yeah. they moved him up. He didn't really have a set position. No, last he just year, played. Did he? he played left wing. He played attacking midfield. He played centre defending midfield. He even played right back at one point. I think. Yeah, I know he played Leo in fullback sometimes. Yeah, yeah, but he is crucial to us this season. I don't think he had his best game against Sunderland, but like I said, that set piece I think was entirely his doing. I mean, Burke's instincts were very good for a centre back, uh, but I do think that Honeyman intentionally aimed that free kick at the goalkeeper, yeah. uh, and it was very clever. Uh, with that, we'll have another break, and then we'll knock on to some um, some transfer news and some gossip. See you in a minute. Right. Welcome back. Um, we're going to some uh, transfer news. Um, it's weird to be talking about transfer news on a podcast scenario type of thing. Uh, device. 
potentially leaving to QPR on loan, eventually becoming a permanent signing. Is that an obligation or is it a choice that they have to sign him permanently? It could be in the summer. Yeah. Because as 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 good as Device was under Adkins and then the, the, the first half of last season. I do agree with McCann that the time is right because I just feel like since the um, the restart last season, he hasn't been anywhere near as good as he was. I don't know if maybe he just decided he wanted to leave quite early and just sort of half-ass his way through games. Um, but the fact that he's been dislodged from the starting eleven by Jacob Greaves, who essentially is a youngster in the squad, um, and then Device not being able to, you know, knuckle down and get himself back into the squad is unfortunately testament to his desire to play for this team. Maybe um, his character uh, after, you know, maybe a defeatist attitude where he's like, well, fair enough. You put him in the team, now I can't be asked," kind of thing. Um, yeah. What do we think? Yeah, I think he's. I think what he's done is he's saw that Jacob Graves in the team is thinking, well, you've replaced me now of a local lad. Am I, am I going to get back in? Is there any point in trying? That might that might be a big factor, which is a character problem because realistically, if you lose your place in the team, you should, should you should be fighting to win it back. Yeah, he's a confidence player. If he's got good confidence, he plays well. If he's got bad confidence, he ain't getting his his form back. Not until his his team's playing well as well. Do yeah. we potentially? I seen somebody mention on Twitter that maybe the. The, the, the way we made him captain last season put too much on him too quickly. I was just about to mention, it feels like the captains have just completely destroyed him. Yeah, because I don't... I still, to this day, think that our players threw that Wigan game on purpose to get McCann sacked. And I believe that after the club made the vice captain, that he might have been one of the catalysts yeah. for that. I can believe that. He had an awful game against, like, uh, probably about four of the goals were because he was I just... I mean, to be fair, Ant, who didn't have an awful game against... Wigan? Well, no, yeah, but that's the thing. But what I'm trying to say is that the fact that he was the captain, newly made captain as well, you, you, you would assume that any player given captaincy would want to try and make some sort of impression. So if we go one or two goals down early, you want to see him screaming at his players, you know giving him a kick up the ass, and you never saw that from him. And you never saw that from him in any of the games that he was captain. Um, and it was weird, because all the fans, me included, I did think that he would be a logical choice for captain. Yeah, he seemed but like one. Someone did mention on Twitter that it is a little bit suspect that his form dropped when he was given the captaincy. And it might be a case of he maybe didn't want it. I'm, I, I don't know. But yeah, he, this season either he hasn't been um, up to scratch. Um, he's had a couple of decent games, not you know, no man of the match contenders, but he's been adequate basically. Yeah, 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 essentially. Um, and obviously, he's probably one of the highest earners in the squad. Yeah, so it should free up some wages. Um, I think me and you were talking about it before, weren't we, Joel? Um, are we are we expecting them wages to to go on new players, or would we use it to, you know, potentially give KLP a, 
little wage boost in his new contract. At, at least offer him it, like, offer him a little bit more. So says KLP, right, we don't want to reduce the length of the deal, but here's we'll a little bit of money every week. Um, will that do anything? And he might turn around and say, yeah. Because I'm pretty sure if you give him a higher signing on fee or something, it would help soften the blow of staying here an extra year. We can't be that bad, can we? No, we've got Adelican's um, wages freed up now as well. Yeah, that's true. I think he'll... I, I don't think it'll go towards KLP, the money from it, if he does go. I just don't see it. I, I mean, the contract, obviously... New, I think it'll go towards new signings. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we've we mentioned before that the, the KLP contract saga isn't about his money, it's about the length of contract. Um, so maybe realistically, they've, they've not even took it into consideration to put some of Jordy's wages towards KLP's new contract. But well, it is part. It is partly about money because the wage increase he's supposed to be getting if he starts another game is larger than the one he would get if he got this new contract. So he is taking a sort of pay cut from this contract in a way. KLP. Oh, that I didn't know that. Yeah, apparently the, it the wage increase that he was supposed to get for playing this game would be lowered. Um under a new contract. So, obviously, it sounds a bit like Ehab's, when KLP got this contract, Ehab stuck this in as like a, yeah, here you go, here's your incentive. Well, Look, if you can start all these games, you'll get all this money. Well, I think he was also... He's never going to start that many games. Not even that. I think it's, he set that contract out while we were in the championship and didn't think we'd be in League One by the time this came round. Yeah. So, he's obviously bricking it now because he just realised that... Oh, that joke clause I did into the contract I've now actually got to do. <laughs> that's a, that's another rehab shot himself in the foot moment. Best run club in the country, yeah. <laughs> so um incoming signings. Uh Flores, Jordan Flores. What do we think to that one? Um, I think it's a, a promising signing based on just the silly the girl he's got against Shamrock Rovers. I got him I uh, a Pushkus Award nomination. It was a naughty goal. It's like a, a ridiculous technique. It was because he sort of puts his foot up like near where his shoulder is, isn't it? It's what puts I his to... foot up real high and just sort of connects with it perfectly. It's lasers what... it. It's what I try to do on every corner on FIFA. <laughs> yeah, it was a FIFA goal. To be fair, yeah. Um. I, I honestly, I'm not even going to pretend to know anything about him. Um, I don't even know what club he's at. Uh, is he in Scotland? He's a Dundalk. Yeah. So, I mean, you've obviously got, you know, his Scottish league isn't the isn't the best. But everyone who mentions he's him... He's worse than that, and he's in Ireland. It's even worse. Oh, yeah, is, yeah. Geography lesson for me. <laughs> but no, um, it's... He's a, he's, a, he's a midfielder, centre midfielder, which we seem strong in already. So, a bit weird. Are we expecting to lose a midfielder, maybe? Because I, I know we've seen the rumours of um, Bournemouth were apparently sniffing around Honeyman. That was about Christ. a month or two ago. That's tied so down. That. I don't know. Um, maybe he doesn't like his backup options. Maybe he isn't a fan of Batty. That's uh, the one who's at risk at this one, yeah. I mean, Batty's a weird one because I, I I think under Adkins, he seemed 
a completely different player to what he is under McCann. I think he got the best. Adkins got the best out of him. But I've been, I've, I've had a couple of people on Twitter say that Barry should be starting more games, and I personally, I wouldn't dislodge any of our midfield for Barry. No, he's lucky to make it onto the bench whenever he does. Yeah, make I the agree. Bench. So maybe Flores is that improvement in the squad where if we really want to change a game, he comes on as opposed to, you know, Batty. Maybe this is the the end of Dan Batty for, for Hull, potentially. Is it is it this last year of his contract as well? He's coming towards no, the end of signed, it, I think. I think he signed an extension last season. Did he? I think one it, one it just the automatic year trigger, though. It was a one year, yeah, he was the one-year extension, so his contract runs out in the summer, I think. Yeah, because that's the way he have, does his contracts, isn't it? You have a two- or three-year contract, and then the club can trigger one at the end if they fancy it. Yeah. Then maybe that's in his last year. I mean, we'll have to look into that. But, yeah, um, so we've got Flores apparently coming in, um, all but confirmed by the sounds of it. Someone was saying he's done his medical. Yeah, I, I heard he had his medical today. Uh, have you seen any um, tweets for the figure? Do we know how much we're paying? Undisclosed. No, no, I've seen undisclosed. Um... Mm. I imagine it's being... quite interesting actually because we've 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 just been told that we're getting six million, aren't we? From is it the Premier League? But I, I I'm sure that I read somewhere that if you were getting financial help from the Prem, you want to sign players. I think we get you get financial help anyway. It's if you want extra help. I think I read that somewhere. Uh, yeah, so if you want like some a more... minimum, but you can apply for more. Yeah. Interesting. And then um, a potential replacement for a Delican, um, Nathan Holland. Uh, what do we think to that one? Not seen much of him, so no, can't really make a comment. I, I'd, I'd prefer Josh Bowler back over him because I, I saw a photo of him um, when he was linked with us, of him and Josh Bowler next to each other. And I just sat, sat there thinking, I'd rather Josh Bowler come back. Yeah, I like Especially in League One. Bola was one of them who, 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 who was, um, I think maybe we didn't see the best of him because he got injured right as he got into the team. But Bola was um, similar to Wilkes in he, he seemed to have bags of potential, but his, his end product was poor. Um, I wouldn't mind having Bola back. But for the football manager fans of us out there, Nathan Holland, future star, apparently. I knew, what, I knew that was coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've, in fact, I've just signed him on my football manager. Uh, he's he, apparently he's got a lot of potential, and and and, and as ridiculous as it is to go off a game like football manager, they, they, say, are, um, they aren't often wrong. People like Yaya Sanogo and Freddie Adu were apparently going to be messy, messy level. Listen, they're not manager. perfect, but they're not they're not often wrong. Okay, <laughs> um, maybe Ravel Morrison was was possibly the worst one that, but you know. Um, he's a winger, so it's a direct replacement for Delican. Realistically, do we want to be signing more wingers and midfielders? Because I genuinely think we need a striker. We need a winger. We need a striker. Yeah. I'm to send a couple of players out on loan that aren't getting the team. Who would you send out on loan? Well, Samuelson, for a starter. He's not even getting anywhere near the team, so it's, it might be worth sending him out on loan. Because it annoys, it annoys me that he's not even getting a shout. Um, but he might get a shout during week against Fleetwood. 
But where, where would you play him? This is the, and who would you drop? This is the thing, I, I don't know where. I would at least give him a chance mm-hmm. off the bench. You see, because Samuelson, as we've said before on this podcast, he's he hasn't done it yeah, but I think whenever he's had the opportunity. Maya's been coming off the bench recently regularly and he's done absolutely bugger all. <laughs> and I like to just see someone else. Maya's more of an out-and-out winger. Samuelson's, he, he prefers that number 10 role and we don't, unless you're taking Honeyman off, which think, he's not going to play that I don't role. Think, if you don't give him a chance, he'll never get, they'll never get to see what he can do, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, he's still on a young, so maybe sending him out on loan would be a decent thing to do. Um, I think he'll play in midweek in the, uh, in the cup against Fleetwood, though. Yeah, he will. He'll probably start. He does need um, to perform, though. He does need to. He needs to take his chance because he's not going to have many. Well, they all do. Samuelson, Scott, um, Maya, they've, they've all, as, as we all keep saying, they've, they've got to take these opportunities as they come or else they're not going to start a game. And we need one of them to step up because if this KLP situation doesn't get sorted, we need to. somebody to be able to step into a delicate shoes, aren't they? So, um, who else would you send out on loan then, Joel? You said a couple, didn't you? James Scott. He's another one I'd send out on loan. I'd send him back to Scotland, maybe back to Motherwell, where we got him from for the rest of the season. I was going to say, you show, get... it sounds like you don't want to send him on loan, Joel. It sounds like you just want to send him back. <laughs> yeah, he said that was a bit of malice. <laughs> Well, send him away. And no, I don't blame I, you to be honest with the way he's played at times. I, I don't mind him. He, he seems like he seems like he he can be a good player, but he needs to find some sort of confidence in front of goal, and maybe yeah. back to what he, what he was familiar with might give him that little bit of confidence. Yeah, there's definitely. I personally think he's through the middle player, not a winger. Agreed. Um, there's definitely something there. He's just showing it. I think if I think if we tried, ideally. If you know we didn't have the whole KLP situation, if we had Keno um, and Wilkes and Scott as the front three, I would prefer that to Eves playing through the middle and uh, currently um, probably not fully match fit Josh McGuinness. I would be giving um, I would be giving Scott a chance at striker with the way Eves has played in the last couple of games. I just think Definitely. the way he plays suggests a through the middle player. He doesn't. Not once have I seen him playing for. He's a winger. He just there's nothing about him that that says winger. He he always drifts into the middle. He doesn't receive the ball and run it at the fullback. He just yeah. He's, he doesn't look comfortable like, out on the wing. He's like an inside forward at best when it comes to being yeah. When when he does play on I, the wing, I always notice that he seems when he's playing with Eves, he seems to drift into the middle, which means Eves runs out onto the wing to cover him. Yeah, Which well, Eves always seems to end up on the wing anyway. Which was one of my erkins with him against um, Sunderland, Eves. There was one point where we whopped the ball up top and Wilkes tried to knock it on and he put it into the area where Eves should be and for some bizarre reason, Eves was in left midfield. And it's just like, what, what are you doing? Yeah, This is why we need a new striker. Because <laughs> I do think that McGuinness is quite crucial in the way we play. Um, but obviously with his... Um, whole COVID situation we can't rely on Eves and we have got potentially because I don't like Wilkes through the middle either no I don't he's miles better he played well against Leeds in that in that in that role but I I, I don't know what was different about that game everybody seemed on tune in that match even Scott had a good game (laughs) so 
but personally, I would be looking at strikers and maybe for, you know, some of these goal machines from the lower leagues because then you're not paying that much money for them. Either one. like, you know, a Premier League youngster that on loan, like a Fraser, Fraser Campbell situation or Gurnd, um, Poacher, a, a goal scorer from League Two or, you know, a conference. No, Vardy was playing for Stocksbridge in 2010. So well, we they are there. we did poach a goal scorer from the division below last season. Tom Eaves, <laughs> and he's done nothing. So sometimes it really, really doesn't work. But in terms of Premier League youngsters, is there anyone that springs to mind that we could get in? Um, I'm trying to think of someone who'd be available. Um, I've got one, which is Keenan Davies at Aston Villa. Hmm. Yeah. Not. So I think it, he just. Yeah, I think he gets in and around the team though, doesn't he? So maybe yeah, that that they would be looking at um, getting him some uh, some regular game time experience because we definitely just need somebody there, in my opinion. Would you sign a defender to replace the vice then? Or no, are we okay? We've got McLaughlin. Yeah, yeah. I think we're okay at the back at the moment. Um. I don't think we need to put anyone. Because obviously we've got Festus Arthur, but he looks like he's, he's going out on loan, or has he already gone? He hasn't yet, but there is rumours. He's injured for the rest of the season. So, Meb- is he now injured for the rest of the season? Yeah. Oh, that's changed. Oh. So we haven't seen It was rumoured we're going to League Two, I think. Yeah, I'm fairly sure. Yeah, I think he was. he's injured. Oh, I haven't seen that. I, I might, it might have been something that I've read wrong, but I'm, I'm fairly sure it says that somewhere that Festa Safa is out for the rest of the season. That, that's a shame. If that's true, that's a shame. Because I thought he's looked at... That changed things, though. So, if, if obviously, Device goes and we haven't got Arthur, that only leaves Burke, Greaves and McLaughlin as centre-half. Jones. Jones as well, yeah, to be fair. So, we have got... We have got yeah. yeah, maybe we're fair enough there. Um, I'm trying to think if I've seen any other rumours. Has anybody seen anything else? No, to be honest. No, not particularly. Um, we, we, don't, we don't really get involved in the transfer window anymore, do we? No, no, not really. I mean, to be fair, Rehab's apparently promised that we are going to spend. So, Well, expanding that's on that. Um, just, that, just on the Dan Batty thing, we've got another player that we didn't actually mention when talking about him that could also fill the void if Batty does leave, and that's Callum Jones. He wasn't even mentioned. Very true, yeah. So, for me, Batty can go. Yeah, that's mm. true, yeah, because Callum's looked okay when he's played. He's looked very good. He's, he's, um, is he involved in the, the Wales international youth? So? Yeah. yeah. So, there's obviously a player there. I mean, I've liked the look of all of our youngsters when they've come on. Um, I think that Chadwick being on loan and banging goals for fun is is good as well. Because if anything, if you can ever, ever find a positive about the Alams and their tenure, is that the Youth Academy improvements has been quite good. Yeah, we've got some good players. Yeah. We've got a lot of, um, very good young players coming through. Um, obviously, they're only doing it for a business gain because they like to build players and sell them on now. Yeah. You know, it's benefiting the team at the same Long time. Long term, it could be very, very beneficial. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's nice to see a lot of the, um, like they were mentioning on Sky, we've, we're one of the t- very few teams in the league that's got 
a lot of local homegrown talent that's in and around the starting 11. And so we sell them all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Make a name for them and sell them on. Um, but, you know, it's benefiting us at the moment. So we all know what's, what's impending, but enjoy it while it's here. And it's, it's, it's nice to see. You always want to see you, uh, local lads in the side, especially people like Greaves, because, um, well, you know, Greaves has a, there's a whole scene. Greaves has a double connection of his dad. Yeah. So, uh, so we might as well wrap that up there then. Uh, it's nice to finally hear Joel's voice. If anybody wanted wanted to hear Joel's voice, I doubt uh, they did. He does exist. We, <laughs> he isn't a myth. He is there. Uh, and thanks for joining us again, Will. Um, and we will, yeah, and we'll try and get um, get something organised for the next episode. For cheers for listening, guys. Thank you. So just before this um, episode of To Hull and Back, we've got a shout out to our current and only podcast sponsor, which is the FIFA Factory, uh, run by Matt Phillip and Rich Anderson on Facebook. Uh, if you're interested to know what that is and you're a FIFA player out there, or if you're not a FIFA player and you're getting FIFA, uh, do listen up. So basically, it is um, a league format. You get a team playing 90s overall option on um, either Xbox or PlayStation. Um, you get put into a messenger chat with you and everybody else who's in your league. It's up to you to arrange your your games with them. You'll get your nine fix. You get nine fixtures dropped. I think a fortnight, uh, and you just basically tag. The person that you need, you'll see on your fixture list and arrange when or if you can play. Um, it's totally up to you guys. Um, it's Your first season is free. Your second season onwards will be £5 per season, but that includes, obviously, um, weeks of games plus um, cup competitions that are included in it. There are extra cup competitions that are optional. You don't have to join them, which will often be like... Um, cash prize tournaments like the one that they've got currently at the moment um which is as follows um which is quite interesting really we have shared it on this um so it's 10 pound entry there's a 320 pound prize pot um so basically you go into a high it's a champions league format game um you get eight groups of four teams you play each other back to back the top two go through into an eventual 16 team knockout the winner plus the runner-up get cash prizes. Uh, the third place will go into the Europa League, which is another eight-team knockout. And then that cash, the winner of that tournament runs away with a cash prize. So this is the kind of thing, it, it becomes a community. You can share tips, you can help each other, you can play friendlies if you're bored or if ultimate teams annoyed you. It is, um, it's a whole community. They're a great set of lads. Um, I would very recommend at least giving it the, the fair season for free. Uh, to see if it's for you or not. Um, but definitely, definitely head over to FIFA Factory. We've got them on our Twitter. They're on Facebook. We've shared them. Please do give them a like. Check them out. Cheers, guys. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.